Yes. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. It feels like. Oh, baby. It feels like we just did this and we kind of just did. <laughs> yes. And uh, but here we are. Um, welcome. Yes. Yes. Welcome to a, a holiday episode of the fan controlled fandom show question mark sure well it, it's a holiday themed episode and it'll certainly once people are listening to this i mean we're we're recording this in uh, mid-may yeah, to oh, bank yeah. for a post-thanksgiving episode this is true so we're, you're, you're hearing us at the height of spring sliding into summer but what we're we're forecasting for the day after thanksgiving yeah I, I can't wait and i think i can make some bold predictions here in may i'm gonna make a few i think that COVID is going to be long gone by Thanksgiving. Um, mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. feel like uh, the red wave is going to just wash over Congress. I'm seeing like 75 GOP seats, I think. And yeah, they're actually going to have to add new seats to Congress to accommodate how many are coming in with the red wave. So much winning. And I'm going to predict that um, the, the movie uh, Thor Love and Thunder is going to make Four billion dollars. I think those are pretty safe bets this far out. Uh, yeah, I mean, here again, as we're recording this in mid-May, that all feels about certain to happen. Yeah, and I do think that Top Gun Maverick is gonna tank. Nobody wants to watch Tom Cruise in a jet. I think that these are pretty safe bets. No, 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 and certainly, certainly, you know, in the Thanksgiving time period when they eventually announced that Top Gun Maverick will be released on 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 Paramount Plus uh, in December, um, you know that 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 window won't make Black Adam's eventual digital release window seem laughable. I, I uh, love what you're saying here. Yeah, the length they, that they eventually have to leave so that Maverick can clear theaters and get onto digital platforms uh, that won't be comically longer than uh, Black Adam's uh, uh, term. Yeah. That's my prediction from here in mid-May. I think that's a great prediction. Um, so what we're doing here, <laughs> actually, this is, fan, <laughs> this is fan-controlled fandom. This is all things in the nerd space. We're talking Star Wars, MCU, uh, Tolkien. Uh, we're gonna, there might be dinosaurs on this show today. I mean, all kinds of stuff. And I, You mean besides you and me, Kenny? hey two old farts <laughs> like us. Two old showbiz funny duds like us. Oh man, we're it's coming in hot. We are doing this. We are so we are recording on a Tuesday, and so normally what we do record on Thursdays, which allows us to kind of talk about things that usually tend to drop on Wednesdays, like i.e. the season finale of Andor. But because of the holiday, we are going to wait to talk about uh, the last two episodes of Andor to next week. And so we are doing a holiday-themed show. Some people call it Thanksgiving. I like to think of it as Native American Remembrance Day. But um, because of that coming up, one of the big things people eat is turkey. So we're going to be talking about some fandom turkeys in a bit. And we'll, we'll define what that means in a second. But first, we got to hit it off with some quick hits. Hit it off with quick hits. Quick, we, need to, we need to get like, and this is like, if you want to, if someone listening wants to make this for us, some sort of like quick hits. Yeah. Quick hits. I want it to sound like the guy who's on all those like early 2000s mixtapes for like DJ Scribble or whatever. Like, look what's coming in now. Yeah, like that kind of guy. 
Yeah, hot hits, 90 quick hits, quick, 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 quick. And I want it to be, the definition of how I want it to sound is I want my ears to feel assaulted. That's that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah, definitely our ear, you want your ears to walk away from it going, was that, what, what just happened to me? Yeah, like I'm in pain, but I'm also kind of want to hear what's happening. Speaking of what's happening, so the movie Blade has been talked about as the MCU. They're bringing Blade into the MCU. This film was announced. Mahershala Ali was announced to be playing Blade. Wesley Snipes played it in three movies in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s. They were all set to go with the whole other director, um, Bassam Tariq. They were set to start shooting this month in Atlanta. And then uh, in September, Bassam left the project. And then they just announced yesterday there's now a new director attached and a whole new writer. They are starting over from scratch with Blade. The new- uh, well, uh, in a sense, yes. But uh, I, th- I think that there's a lot that's probably frozen in place as the pre-production on these movies has got to be fairly Oh, I'm sure. Solid. I mean, they've got sets. They've got all sorts of stuff that's sort of like because of the money involved so far, I'm sure they have to like work into whatever comes next. Yeah. Like here's what you have to work with. Go, go off. And so they've hired uh Jan Demange. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Who directed a movie called white boy Rick for uh, Sony, which is a decent movie starring ironically in a co-starring role, Jonathan majors, AKA Kang, oh, AKA Kang, the, Kang conqueror. the conqueror. He is not playing Kang in the movie white boy Rick, but <laughs> or, Maybe he is a variant of Kang that exists in the White Boy Rickiverse. Yes, I love that you just said that. But get this. So Jan Demange, Jan Demange also directed um, uh, the pilot of Lovecraft Country, which I don't know if you mm-hmm. watched that show, also featured Jonathan Majors in a starring role. So I guess we can mm-hmm. say that Kang is definitely going to be in Blade? Question mark? I mean, it, at this point, it'll be suspicious if he's not. But as the one thing we know about our, our Marvel, they do like to leave out certain fan favorite characters or maybe even uh, water going vessels, if I may. So I, 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 I don't want to I don't want to push too much. I don't want to push too much. But not, yeah. let's not go there yet. I mean, there's we Sam Wilson's boat can show up in any of these properties. Um, also, to Michael should the word is should show up in any of these properties. Yes, Michael Starbury has been uh, hired to write the script. Who uh, has an Emmy nomination off of the Ava DuVernay drama When They See Us, which was an excellent television show. So, I mean, this is to me like this sounds like just based on Lovecraft Country, based on When They See Us. Obviously, still Mahershala Ali being excellent as a as an actor. I mean, it still makes me excited. Um, but some people are being like, oh, Marvel is off their game. What's your reaction? I think that there's a, I've said it before, like they have a track record that proves they can kind of roll with things and churn out product that is uh, entertaining and watchable and of a high quality. So like you never know till it's up there on the screen. You know, it's, um, yeah, exactly. I think, I think that they've got the right minds and the right people in place to deliver something. They're not going to go off half cocked and they're not just going to do it. They're not going to just do something to do it. I don't think either. And I think to me, I also think like blade is an important character and piece of IP when you're talking about the MCU, because there would be no MCU without blade. Wesley Snipes blade movie opened the door for X-Men and Spider-Man. And then that from there, you, he proves that 
Marvel that that comic properties can be treated in such a way that people will want to see them at the movie theater, not not as goofy kids stuff. That there's this range of very profitable kinds of approaches you can take. Yeah, and for me, like I actually don't have a huge like. Um, I've actually don't have a huge like uh, love, or I've, I mean, for the the Blade, I haven't actually even seen all the Wesley Snipe Blade movies. Full Neither have I. Um, but I do like this kind of wing that Marvel is starting to kind of slowly turn into is like this kind of horror kind of like Midnight Suns is something I would love to see happen in because you already have. You can have Blade, you can have Moon Knight, you can have um, the Black Knight. I'd love, we gotta, yeah, we, gotta, we gotta get Dane Whitman involved in this thing more. And then Werewolf by Night. So a lot of Knights, Moon Knights, Werewolf by Knights, the, the, the Black Knight and Blade. So like, <laughs> And M. Night Shyamalan is the last guy <laughs> in it. He's, <laughs> he's, he he's can read minds. He's a telepath. Yeah, he's exactly what you think he is for like a lot of it. And then towards the end, he goes off on a weird tangent that sometimes makes you think and sometimes you're kind of like, meh, okay. Um, yeah, oh, I think I would, as, as a as a superhuman, I would I would uh, classify M. Night Shyamalan as hit or miss. Well as done. a super-powered super comic book character. Speaking of potentially hitting or missing, we got some uh, first kind of details and images this week on... Indiana Jones 5. I feel like we're angling closer and closer to a trailer coming out for this film. So we got our first images. We got images of Harrison Ford. We've got images of Mad Mickelson, who is, of course, playing the bad guy. I, I love him as an actor, but he could he could be a good guy. Like that is possible. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I he's one of those actors that like has such a reputation over here, but comes from somewhere else where they also have a robust reputation. And I always think like with the for instance, somebody like Hugh Laurie, I always wonder if Mads Mickelson is like this the Monty Python comic of Denmark or wherever oh his God. home country a, is. And then he a, just comes to America and does heavies. What a glorious take. If like, you know, Mad Mickelson is like, he's known in Denmark for uncle Benny's fun time, chop him up hour or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He comes out as he's, you know, he's wearing like a circus tent as pants, and yeah. but then he comes, comes to the States and his eyes are bleeding and <laughs> big, old, big old suspenders and like, like wah, 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 like yakety sax type level comedy, and then comes to the states and is like, I'm, I'm I've come to murder all of your children. I'm Brigus the Soul Stealer, you know. Yeah, but he's always great. He's great in everything, so it's exciting. Oh, solid delivers, delivers. Excited to see him. Got to see Boyd Holbrook. We got to see our first image of um, Phoebe Waller Bridge as her name is, as I actually have websites ready to go to read. So I'm not just like guessing stuff. I thought I did. Where is it? Oh, shoot. It's an M name, isn't it? It's like Marilyn or something. It's her God, his goddaughter. Wait it, wait it, wait for it, wait for it. Her name is, I'm literally looking at it. I see the picture. I see the image of her. Helena. There we go. She's a mysterious. It's not an M name. She's a mysterious woman modeled after femme fatales of the early 20th centuries. Centuries? There's only one of those centuries. So here's the thing that I think people are starting to kind of hem and haw about. So we know a little bit about what the opening sequence for the film is going to be. And if you want to go into this movie cold, don't, you know, skip ahead a couple minutes. 
But this is from James Mangold himself. This is from Empire Magazine. So he's apparently the new adventure aims to, this is what Mangold says. The new adventure aims to recapture the spirit of the original film with the last crusade type flashback at the beginning, which we had in uh, uh, last crusade with river Phoenix playing a young Indiana Jones. Beautiful Um, sequence. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, Where we're going to get a Raiders era indie with a de-aged Harrison Ford, uh, a la MCU, a la Star Wars. Uh, like it's not going to be. I don't know if it's going to be, and it's a, a little unclear if it's going to be like a Mark Hamill robot, like in Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> well, they they have said that it's uh, state of the art never before been used de-aging technology that they're going to use on Harrison Ford, which uh, I think they have to say because when people hear de-aging, they go, Oh, here we go. Of course. But I mean, I'll be one to first one to say like it is, it is hit or miss, but when it works, like the case where I think it's like the best I've ever seen is Michelle Pfeiffer in Ant-Man and the Wasp. It looks unbelievable i gotta go back and look at that it's i gotta go back and look at that because it kind of works it works pretty well with de-aged um michael douglas it looks unbelievable on michelle pfeiffer it looks hey hey hey, remember that third x-men movie with de-aged magneto and professor x and 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 going like what in the what in the hell just happened these potatoes that they've animated (laughs) or also to the samuel jackson in captain marvel is a really good instance of it so I don't know. Yeah, and Kurt Kurt Russell in Guardians of the Galaxy is that's uh, two. That's a good one too. Is pretty actually. They I remember at the time, and I've heard now a re- refutation of this and a reinforcement of it. They said at the time that there was nothing digital on Kurt Russell's face; that it was just his makeup artist that he's been using for forty years was able to do that. Now I, I again, who knows? Again. But I think there's a part of me that ha- that like there it feels like the cadence of these image releases and the the description of the the opening sequence and the introduction of the idea that Harrison Ford will be DH because I don't think we've heard that he goes to the past in this movie yet until no, which is, these... that's where I'm going that's where I'm going so bear with yeah me. so sorry oh sorry I skipped ahead I thought you talked about the you talked about the flashback but not well, I, I guess I blew it well, here we go no no it's okay so for the opening sequence Indy will find himself in a castle occupied by Nazis set in 1944 and then this is now we're going to this is direct quote from Mangol gold man gold get enunciate the name kenny and then we fall out and you find yourself in 1969 so that the audience doesn't experience the change between the 40s and 60s as an intellectual conceit but literally experiences experiences the buccaneering spirit of those early days and then the beginning of now which then you combine this quote with another quote from uh mangold oh no somebody named butterworth hello uh, so this is still this is still from the oh screenwriter Jez Butterworth. No, what a name! I, I know. According to the report, the premise revolves around the space race, as Jez Jez Budwater Bud Butter Budwater Butterworth notes. <laughs> Holy cow! The, Take a breath. The simple fact is that the moon landing program was run by a bunch of ex Nazis. He notes the conflict revolves around how X they are is the question, and it gets up Indy's nose. So we got Nazis. So then he notes that his character, so Mad Mickelson's character is someone named Werner. I'm getting somewhere. This is all leading somewhere. 
Werner von Braun, Butterworth notes that he's a character who wants to correct some of the mistakes of the past. There is something that could make the world a, but, a much better place to live in. He would love to get his hands on it. Indiana Jones wants to get his hands on it as well. And so we have a story. This is what is causing people to extrapolate, which some people have already been buzzing, is that this movie is going to deal with time travel. Yes. And uh, I'm, I'm, you know what? Sure. <laughs> Just we did aliens last time. You know, it's, it, you know, it, it's, a, it's unfortunate that uh, Indiana Jones isn't a James Bond character. We can just kind of recast and keep him perennially in the forties fighting Nazis. Yeah. Um, and, and it's very, very good that this will be Harrison Ford's last ride as Indy, because I don't think Indy in 1970 with hippies is a good match. I mean, it's not in on like in terms of like what we know of the character, but Harrison Ford in his almost eighties around a bunch of hippies, I I would pay money for that. Well, just in real life, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, his who, who knows what his weed dealer is like? Uh, I'm imagining that's that guy's pretty wavy gravy. I know, but like, like, where is Indy gonna fall? Is Indy gonna fall in the line of like? Is he gonna be like? Oh, I wish you guys would go get a job. When I was your age, I was traveling the world. I wasn't putting flowers in guns or like that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he, he just keeps telling them uh, your your hair looks like something that belongs in a museum. Uh, he he yeah I, I don't know where you know he, he I prefer I prefer my wars hot um, and can, canonically I think if if you consider the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles canon I think we have I think to? he. Indy, Indy lives to like 150 years old. Like he comes, he exists in the present day played by Harrison Ford when those shows come out, I think. Wow. That's, I don't, yeah. Well, I don't know if that's, I remember he did show up in one episode as, as like, you know, as his, as his age, not as himself. As Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford shows up in the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles as Harrison Ford. It's the most. He's like, ah, these movies are pretty great. <laughs> these movies are pretty good. Anyway. Let's talk about the movie uh, Framed, starring me. Um, yeah, so it's interesting. I don't know. I my thing is kind of like, yeah, sure. Like, I I don't know. Like the alien stuff in Crystal Skull didn't like bug me as much as some of the other stuff. Like to me, it's like he's in the fifties. In that movie, they're making a what was the kind of thing of the fifties was you know aliens. So that kind of like. Whatever. That stuff doesn't bug me as much as some of the other stuff in that movie. I don't know. I'm up for it. I mean, you've got Phoebe Waller-Bridge involved. That's enough to make me think, like, you know, she doesn't, like, attach her posts to something that's, you know, kind of nonsense. So uh, we'll see what happens. We got a lot I, of I agree. She's She's got a lot of creative integrity, of course. And, and we – but conversely, what she signed up for was an Indiana Jones movie and who – balks at that so and and also you know these things can change you can read a script and by the time the dailies are coming out people start to go we need to rework this we need to rework this and things get focus grouped and redone in the edit so you don't really know what the you don't know what the outcome is when you sign up of course you know with with regard to how it reflects on your integrity but harrison ford did cry about her when he introduced her at like d23 or whatever that was time talking about this movie he was like crying and and so I got to feel like, well, let's just see 
Let's see what happens. I mean, if somebody wants to hem and haw about like, this isn't my Indiana Jones and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, I'll say the same thing I say to a lot of those people, which is like, you need to find more things in your life. Like if this is what is going to be causing so much hemming and hawing, but let's, we can, this is probably going to be talking moving forward as we go. We're going to get a trailer soon, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Let's talk yeah. about a movie that's supposedly coming out next month, which we, I guess we'll, we maybe will do on this podcast because there won't be as much content at this time, but there is another like avatar movie coming, whether you want it or not. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can't remember who I read it from first, but it, like, within the sort of aftermath, I think post Oscars from Avatar, when it was the, you know, had had become the highest grossing movie of all time, people started to talk about the fact that, yeah, it made all this money and was this, was this cultural touch point for a minute, but then had, you just went away for a second. I should be back. Can you? You're back. Yeah. Okay. By the way, my, my waveform is way bigger than yours. yours. I have no idea what's going on. I will try to fix it in post. And this is all staying in the podcast. I hope so, because what we want to do is be instructive to people who want to start a podcast as to, you know, we really, like you say, we want people to know how the sausage gets made. Yeah. Um, and I forgot what I was talking about. Avatar. But it was, oh, 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 that it that it makes a billion dollars and it's this hype thing for for it's the moments that it's out. Point, but then it, it's post point. It's almost three billion dollars. Continue. But it's it really had no cultural impact. It didn't have any staying power within the culture. It didn't, you know, people. You know, you said whether you wanted it or not. Who was clamoring for an Avatar sequel? I know this was the plan the whole time. I think James Cameron comes into the development process of the first one, going, "Oh, it's four movies," but like I, people, people would see leaks and 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 press stuff and go, "Oh, okay, sure, cool, thank, thanks yeah, for doing that." I guess it's truly a phenomenon that I don't get. Even when it was re released like a month ago to get people hyped, that still actually made a little bit of money. It's weird, but. What I want to talk about specifically is it was revealed this week that James Cameron got into a huge fight with Fox execs over the runtime of the movie, which apparently right now the executive told him to cut it down to 162 minutes. So we're talking two hours, 45 minutes. That apparently is not the case. And he told them. So this is when it approached about making edits, James Cameron, James Cameron refused and scolded the exec saying he won't get away with leeching off any of the film's successes. He told them, and I quote, you can't come back to me and compliment the film or chum along and say, look what we did together. You won't be able to do that. At that point, that particular studio executive flipped out and went bug shit on me, pardon my French. And I told him to get the F out of my office. And that's where we left it. <laughs> Still going. Still going. James Cameron was straight up with the executive regarding Avatar's box office prospects. Here we go. Saying, quote unquote, I think this movie is going to make all the effing money. All the money. Not some of the money. All the effing money. So pretty bold predictions on a movie that has like, minimal amounts of hype i guess like i don't know it it is its own i guess it's its own thing it generates its own weather but i i also you know i you start to especially in the in the theatrical release framework it's just a matter of of basic math that the longer a movie is the less showings you get out of it and they're they're saying i read a headline that this movie is going to need to make two billion dollars to be profitable <laughs> Okay. And 
like, like that's now now if you're now I can see where you know a headline writer kind of throws that out as big number where when in reality you're thinking long play like you said Avatar one at this point has made three point whatever close, billion dollars three billion but that's how long is it? it's been out that's like ten years it's twelve and years, I think I think since the last one was out. So I, I would, I, and, and, you know, the release windows are different. Things have a life on streaming, but you're, I don't know that uh, Disney plus is going to make, make a lot of hay out of the debut of avatar, the way of water the when it lands water, on that platform. Like, I'm just, like I, again, we're probably going to go see this movie and do it for the podcast. We did black Adam. We might as well go see avatar. The one thing I don't know that I have literally, I don't know that I have the spare time to see a day long fucking movie. <laughs> Pardon my French. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll have to find out what the final runtime is. I, I will say that it, it's definitely like the kind of thing where it, it's coming out, whether you like it or not. It's called The Way of Water, which is like, okay. Like, I am, what am I supposed to be hyped over? And the, the one thing I will say it does have going for it, it doesn't seem like there's anything else this big that it's going up against. It's not going up against any MCU film because Wakanda Forever will have already been out for a month. And it, you know, it's the same company at this point. So they want to kind of keep the runway clear. So there is that. I mean, I definitely think it will come out one, number one, and be there for a number. But I don't know of what kind of money it's going to make. The the scale is going to have to change. The, the old, I mean, look, I, I'm nowhere near the rooms where the people who know about this stuff are making decisions. But it is fairly basic that the old way of thinking was big movies at the holidays were a hit because families are together. Oftentimes people have gone to another town to visit family where they're sort of outside the normal social circle. People are in these groups and what do they want to do after the eating's done, the thing's done, the hanging out's done, they go to a movie. That's kind of the typical, but that, that I don't know that the market is there to support a theatrical release of a movie this expensive, unless they really know about what the legs of it are in digital. But you're, I can't imagine home video is going to be there for it at all because it isn't there for anybody. And then you put it on Disney Plus and it doesn't make any additional dollars. Hey, everybody. We just finished opening up presents. What do you say we go return to Pandora? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Unobtainium uh, lattes on me, you know, and people, people have to. Do you think they'll have to be like at the beginning? Like it's been 12 years and you haven't. It's not like you've seen it again and you probably don't remember, but like oh, I've not watched there's the big people I saw it in the theater. I've not watched it again at all. Yeah. I mean, they'll have to re-explain all the the mythos, why people are there, what they're trying to get after. It's yeah. And like, in the, I mean, there's a trailer that came out today and we've got other stuff to get to. So I want to get to it, but I will say there was out of D 23, the people who did see footage from it, like the, and it was the full 3d, the footage is apparently incredible, which I don't doubt because whatever, you built a whole new technology just to make this movie. Well, and the first one, the first one was insane looking. Was yeah. I saw it in 3D. I never see stuff in 3D, but this one was like, okay, this is how it's meant to be seen. And that that aspect of it, and I, I really actually appreciated the first movie. I thought it was a good story. Yeah, I was kind of so, caught up in the adventure of it, but it is a joke. Thing. Yeah. There we go. That's a that's a great way to end it. So before we get to our before we get to our main topic, it's time for because this is on the fan controlled sports and entertainment network, fan controlled TV podcast feed. Uh, this is our one piece of sports information. Uh, Alex, are you ready for your piece of sports information? Which I'm assuming we're still in Formula One racing. Yes. 
uh, we even though the season has ended, uh, recent events have kind of put decisions by two former world champions in a new light. Of course, I'm talking about some of the more uh, questionable and homophobic decisions by the yeah. Qatari government wow. over uh, over you know certain what people can wear in the uh, the World Cup tournament. Absolutely, you know, p- players not allowed to wear their one love uh, armbands or any sort of paraphernalia that uh, that may may um, advocate for equal rights for gay people. And teams, by and large, have complied, although they've been coerced uh, to do such by uh, threatened penalties. Yes. Okay. Uh, But people have lately been pointing back to the behavior of former champions Sebastian Vettel in Formula One and uh, and, um, Lewis Hamilton, seven-time world champion in Formula One, who both, while racing in uh in qatar and in the middle east under similar threats of penalization for advocating for um equal rights for uh for lgbtqia uh folks uh they still wore their rainbow helmets still wore their their regalia and and so so people were you know especially people in europe often lament how corrupt uh the fia is this the uh the auto sports regulatory body over like basically the world and they got a chance to kind of thumb their noses at FIFA, who is like, hey, as bad as we think FIA ever is, at least we're yeah, not. At least we're FIFA. not FIFA. Yeah, hell yeah. Which is the which is a criminal gang proven so by the American federal government. And that's saying something. When the American federal government is pointing at you and going, You suck, you're illegal, that's that's pretty so that's that's my that's my hybrid sports news. Got a little bit of football. No, I love that very much. So, like literally, James Comey. We all remember him. He was one of the people who helped tell, helped take down FIFA. Yeah, I'm very here for that news because my news. I could talk about how the Lakers are on a three game winning streak. Uh, granted, there was some pretty terrible teams. I could talk about uh, Arsenal. They haven't played any games because of the World Cup, which I do want to say. I myself am not watching a ton of World Cup because of what you just talked about. Because the fact that we are are not allowed to have any sort of support for the LGBTQIA plus community. I could talk about the Grey Cup, which was one Toronto Argonauts upset the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Huge game. I will go back and talk about the Lakers for a minute because I want to talk about uh, <laughs> Anthony Davis on a three-game tear at the moment. Um, he is uh, LeBron James has been out with a foot, uh, some foot trouble, and the Lakers have been playing some lesser opponents. This was against two of the games were against – uh, they are a three-game win streak against the San Antonio Spurs, the Detroit Pistons, and the, a Brooklyn Nets team, which is very up and down. But I just want to talk about this stat line here uh, by Anthony Davis. So LeBron James is out. The team prior to this game is 2-10. and 10. So in this three-game win streak, he goes for 37-18 and 18 against the Nets, 38-16 and 16 against these are this is points and rebounds against the Pistons, and then 30-18 and 18 in only 28 minutes against the Spurs. So bit of a tear, bit of a tear at the moment. Anthony Davis is like to see that play continue uh, uh, tonight. This is Tuesday. We're recording this <laughs> against the Phoenix Suns, a, a legitimate basketball team. Uh, we'll see well yeah, goes. hopefully, hopefully they get, uh, they get to face off against, you know, like a, uh... Uh, like a high school varsity team or something. Just kind of keep that moment, keep the spirits up, yeah. keep that momentum going. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We don't want to belittle those uh, Pistons fans and Spurs fans, but the Spurs, just to give some context, I don't want to give too much context because we're already 31 minutes in. We haven't hit the main topic yet, but the Spurs are tanking very hard and it's Greg Popovich is a master coach. And because they sat their best player, Jakob Pertl, that's his name, Jakob Pertl, 
uh, who's an ex, mm. an ex he's a, about seven foot tall, excellent interior defender, probably one of the best interior defenders in the NBA. They sat him against the Lakers. <laughs> intentionally because they are tanking they want they were they were playing somewhat well and they're like you know we're winning too many games here we need to sit some players they've now lost nine in a row let's get to our before we get to the main topic alex as our biz dev guy do we have a a, a sponsor for this week's show we certainly do and you know i i again i've been pounding the pavement trying to get some corporate underwriting still, still in new york um, i'm hoping maybe this is like a new york themed uh, uh yeah, actually yeah it, it is um our, our corporate underwriter this week, I, I ran into him on the subway. Uh, it's it's the Council of Intimidating Subway Teens. Uh, I ran into them. They they're sort of a they they were all in very fancy uh, school uniforms. Or cyst, as they're known. C- yeah, cyst. Um, the Council of Intimidating Subway Teens, and they wanted to use this uh, ad spot time to remind you that your shoes fucking suck, your hair fucking sucks, and New York isn't for crybabies. Um, <laughs> That's the Council of Intimidating Subway Teens. They uh, they were all very well uh, arrayed, and I, I I tried to get past them very fast without being seen, and that that was uh, I failed. As somebody who used uh, to and I really got seen. So yeah, New York isn't for crybabies. As someone who lived used to live in New York and ride the subway, I genuinely appreciate that. That's very good. All right, so our main topic- how do they how do they know the city so well? Like I mean, I know they were born there, but they seem to like be. Like I, I, I don't know. Hey man, they've, been riding, uh, but yeah. they've been riding buses and 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 trains before they could speak, my man. So they, you know, that's just what it is. It's inherent. That grid becomes a part of your, you know, your your nervous system. Um, hold on. I'm I mean, that's that. It's it, and and it gives me a very nervous system, if you know what I'm talking about. Yes, it does. Hold on. I'm I'm getting. I'm literally still working while I'm recording this podcast, and I'm getting being asked a, a work question. Tell them to sell, uh, uh, buy, sell, buy, sell. Yeah, that's what I did. So our main topic, what we're doing today, so we briefly referenced. So today, tomorrow, or Thursday, a lot of people celebrate Thanksgiving. I like to think of it as Native American Remembrance Day because pilgrims, if you if you got pilgrims on the table, that's not what happened. Anyway, um, top turkeys in fandom. So what we are going to do, Alex and I have compiled a list. Alex has three. I have three. These are franchises that are either kind of past their prime they're a little stale they're turkeys if you will is that a good enough hey. de- is that a good enough definition on what we're doing yeah generally the kind of stuff you wouldn't uh you wouldn't gobble even if it was uh even if it had giblet gravy you know what i'm saying yeah, just a doa or past its prime doa is a good way to put it and um i think the best way we can do this is just to kind of dive in well each one of us has three we're going to like talk a little bit about why we who have brought them forward think they're turkeys. We'll discuss it a little bit and then we'll move on to the next one. And that's just how we're going to roll. And then maybe if you think that we have missed anyone, by all means, reach out to us in the social media spaces that we'll be plugging later. And by all week, you know, I would love to hear more that you think we may have missed. I, I wouldn't. So don't tell me ah! any of them. I really don't. I do Don't have, talk to me. I do have an honorable, an honorable mention one that I didn't tell you about, but it, it, only if we have time. So, Alex, who is your first DOA? Who's your first turkey in the fandom space? My first turkey, and it, and it, uh, you know, this can be painful to say too, because these are sometimes stuff that you really want to see work. But hey, of course, the sort of uh, the Godzilla King Kong averse Ooh. that we have going in this is a, in American this is a very uh, cinemas. Hot take. I love this. It, and again, I. 
I went to see that first Godzilla movie in the theaters by myself. I was very excited by the prospect of it. The same thing with We're the King Kong. We're talking about the Brian are... Cranston, Aaron Taylor Johnson Godzilla one, correct? Yeah, American MonsterVerse. Like the, please keep the the robust and delightful tradition alive in uh, in, in Japan, but just it's just not working here, and nobody seems to have a clear plan other than that it seems there is a plan and they're going to fight each other again. And it's, it's starting to become one of these things that it, it feels to me like nobody's really asking for this. And not that every movie has to be asked for, but when it's got that much sort of, like I said, planning and oomph behind it, you kind of do need to rely on a little bit of, and maybe it's just me personally, but it, you know, they're, they're trying to, continue expand and extend this shared universe between these two characters and you know especially in that last one the contrivances you have to come up with so that their power scaling matches because king kong's way smaller than godzilla and go ahead i love that you said that because that to me is like what is like ultimately as much as i appreciate like the intent and i do think these are better films like i feel like they're making very noble efforts with a lot of these movies especially like i liked kong island and godzilla a lot um they're really they're not equal like to present them as equal to me is kind of like a failed argument from the jump right i mean yeah godzilla, you, would, you, godzilla you, would destroy king kong every single time right like absolutely well you what you have to do to make them match is invent this whole subterranean kingdom of kongs and he has to have a magical spear and and then your your human team also has to be in there with their you know their their ships that they made that can go into the thing and and it's it feel honestly that that Godzilla versus Kong thing in that sort of detachment between who you're supposed to be watching and how much attention is put to the other stuff felt a lot like Black Adam. Oh, it that, felt wow, a lot a lot like same hey same studio, right? <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> Warner Brothers and, loves yeah. to like like these two people are great and they'll fight and who cares how powerful they are, who gives a crap? Let's let's have them fight. Yeah, so that, I think that for those reasons, I think that that my that's my first sort of franchise thing that it you know it needs to we we can say goodbye. Nobody's if you know in ten years nobody's gonna be, if it stopped today in ten years nobody's gonna be going like hey we didn't get any more of those uh, Godzilla movies. Well, I think they're making another one. So they gonna, are yeah. another Godzilla Kong. Yeah, because like that was like I remember that was like one of the movies that like brought people back to the theaters it was like one of the it made like 50 million or something in its opening weekend and it was like oh let's go back to the movies the pandemic is over let's go to the movies and then that was before omicron that's how it's pro- supposed to be pronounced by the way the greek pronunciation is omicron anyway you're uh you're forgetting this the uh the non-present n it's actually omicron oh omicron omicron yeah you're right anyway um <laughs> <laughs> No, like, not as a bit. It's Omicron. I do, like I said, I do. It, it's just weird to me because the second Godzilla movie didn't work at all, and um, and it's not for lack of trying. Like I said, I do think these movies are well made, and I do think they've like, like collected like a fun cast, but the, yeah. like it just didn't really work. And then it's like it's also like it goes into the whole thing that Warner Brothers does, which I know is another one of your. I don't want to spoil it too much. Another one of your things, but what they do with the DC movies is it's like, all right, we got enough here. Let's just, let's just go. Like, I don't think like we, we got two Godzilla movies and then one Kong movie and then they're together where like, they probably should have 
there should have been a bridge, I think, a little bit to that, to, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, build anticipation. I mean, I think the way that they sort of initially went about it, where your your Godzilla movies took place in the present, you introduce Kong in the past. Like, I think that's a very interesting way to go about it. The just well, the very to, idea. To be fair, I want to say Kong is based in is based in racism. Just so we're all just so that's that, at that. Point. It is. Oh my God! A a a a a, uh, a remote island where a bunch of natives live and then this like giant gorilla comes out that's that comes and like gobbles up all the white people. It's, I just, there's a great documentary called horror. I'm not just like talking out of my a-hole here. It's called <laughs> horror noir. You can watch it on shutter and it talks about um, black horror films and it talks about how blacks are represent represented in film. And there's a ton of people, uh, scholars who are like, Oh no, yes. Kong is a, Kong is a racist trope. Anyway, continue. Ooh. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> the so uh, I, I think that they had a noble effort in trying to make this, you know, I think that there was, they were going to do Mothra. They're going to do all these Yeah, I would have loved Mothra. I'd love to see. But Mothra is in the, whatever, the sec, the Godzilla one, the second Godzilla, right? Am I remembering that right? Didn't Mothra come oh, no, out? It, yeah, he did. No, it was Rodan. Oh, that's right. Rodan. And then they fought Mechagodzilla. Yeah, there's like there's too much going on, which is I think is what we're gonna is gonna be the like overarching theme with a lot of these, <laughs> a lot of these. Yeah. Uh, which is, and I feel like with a lot of these two, which I think is gonna I'm segueing into my first one, is like these things make money. Like the first one makes money, maybe the second one. So they were like, well, we guys we got to keep making them because they keep making money. You know what I mean? People keep going to see them. Which is what I think has happened with my first franchise that I'm going to pull out, which is the Jurassic Park franchise. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, here is a case where... Slay. Here is a case where you make a really great first movie that, like, like is straight up, like, it's not, it's not wild to say, like, is, like, genre-bending. It is, it is an iconic movie. Like, they just... Special effects-wise, they just did things that movies have not done period like just the first jurassic park film yes the first jurassic park film oh that is that is a that is a movie yes it's almost like in terms of that kind of offering perfect yes it is an excellent excellent film and then they have pretty much since then we're like this movie made a bunch of money i guess we got to keep making them they have just not been able to even capture anything close to that since and whether no. and it's been like varying levels of good or bad like i lost a lot of people don't like the second one lost world i actually i'm i actually think it kind of works but i understand why it doesn't <laughs> then the third yeah. one is just bonker balls like it is an the third jurassic park movie is an hour and a half long which is I'm not saying movies need to be three hours but an hour and a half for like a a fly off to, you know, dinosaur Island, which is what I'm going to call it is, is kind of wild. And it's like a weird, yeah. like, and they like got Sam Neill to go back to the Island and all this stuff. And it just, so then we were like, but then universal that's, that's what it comes in. This problem is like, we've now, we've now got into the IP space and we need, I, we, uh, this is a drastic world in 2015. We now have like, we're getting into the IP wars where, where we're still in, where all the studios were like, well, what do we have? So they, let's make Jurassic World, which is doesn't 
makes a huge amount of money. So I guess we got to make more of them. But in my mind, we're still we're still getting kind of farther and farther away of what worked. And maybe we should have just kind of left it at one and that's it. You know what I mean? And then the Jurassic World movies get worse and worse as they go. Like I couldn't even get through Fallen Kingdom, which was like weird. Like we're on, there was like a there's literal a dinosaur black market like selling dinosaurs <laughs> like it's so yeah it's and then i never even saw the last one because i I was gonna go and then the reviews were so bad that i was just like okay fine and it just I'll, I'll say this i'll say this the second one was was demonstrably terrible you mean like the lost and the, the lost world yeah the second the lost world uh yeah the second, no 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 the sorry sec- the second jurassic world the second Jurassic World. Yeah, it's terrible. Demonstrably terrible. The third one, worth a watch. It's fun. It's not the best, but like the original Jurassic Park crew being together is kind of enough. And they do that in a way that's fairly kind of satisfying. But I think I love a Goldblum as much as anyone. The the there is something admirable, I think, that they did in terms of world building, which is like successively in every movie you get these glimpses of a world where that old that old uh, kind of notion of if this is true what else is true that like since we're in a world where the dinosaurs have been cloned and they're around that's true what else what else is true about that world and how they they get out and they're you know i liked i like that they were everywhere i like that they're you know even the idea that there is a black because that would happen i mean you know rich people all over the world own like gorillas and lions and stuff why wouldn't they be going after these I mean- but like it was so clumsy and it was so clunky and you the whole like there's a cloned girl and it's the daughter is cl- and then there's this murder plot on top of it it's like weird. It, it, yeah it, rafe spall like just murders someone in the second movie it just it it's like i appreciate for them trying to like do something but like basically they're just recycling this idea of like somebody being like you know what i think we can control the dinosaurs and then you know what you can't do control the dinosaurs and it's like <laughs> except Chris Pratt's character, which I'll even go back. So when they even relaunched it, I understand like for, you know, we can talk about how problematic Chris Pratt is in another, probably in a couple of weeks when we do the, the, the holiday special. But the thing about his character to me is like his character. It's so weird that you hired Chris Pratt and he did this the year after guardians you hire Chris Pratt. So he's still like, you probably had hired him before guardians had come out because it takes a while to shoot these things. And it's only, they were released one year after each other, Jurassic world and guardians. So he's still kind of off parks and rec. And I don't know what this, like he's, you're not using him in what you would want to hire him for. Like, I feel like you would want to hire him to be this kind of like fun, loving, funny, but also can be an action hero but no, he's playing it like super straight. And so he ends up becoming like, like almost like it feels like they just woke him up to come out here and like, I can say lines. Yeah. He, the thing that, the thing that he, he is a, the thing that made him a remarkable performer, they completely deleted in this thing. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking maybe zero dark 30 is on their uh, Chris Pratt is on their, <laughs> Their tone board they love. and not... They love... I love movies where you can't see what's going on for the final half, like 30, 40 minutes. That's the Chris Pratt that I want. Yeah, yeah. And just... And and, and a an and a army man. 
Yeah, and it's like I get they were trying to like outfit him as like an Indiana Jonesy kind of guy, but like the thing that makes Indiana Jones great is because it's Harrison Ford. Because you're getting like a guy who just is like oozes charisma and sex appeal, but also has like the can deliver a like like sarcastic quip like nobody it's just like it's it just is a total it's a franchise that to me like is supposedly done like jurassic world is like the last one quote unquote but i mean it's only going to be a matter of time before somebody at universal is like hey you know what we're we're getting lapped by disney again what what can we roll out that we oh we got jurassic park so we're gonna be something somebody else will come it in the ice, and you talk about the IP space too. Like, it, you know, there's Netflix animated cartoon a- animated shows that are, you know, about yeah, kids camp, that are lost camp in Crata- Jurassic. Camp Crustaceous or Cretaceous or whatever. Yeah, my, yeah, my something kids, like so. My kids watch. It. And also, like you, you, you know, I think you're absolutely right about like zeroing in on this Chris Pratt thing versus a Harrison Ford thing because it's like you that character as written and who you picked. It could have been anybody. Oh, totally. There's nothing, yes. you know, Chris Pratt, there's no Chris Pratt uniqueness to it. There's no reason that it has to be him. And so it just seems flat. None of the characters. I mean, Bryce Dallas Howard, who I think is a wonderful actress and I think is an amazing director. Her work on The Mandalorian is fantastic. And on Book yeah. of Fett. But yeah, even she's just kind of like person who is also there, who is, uh, you know, whose gender is female, who is running alongside Chris Pratt, who is also there. You know, whereas like the original cast is like, Jeff Goldblum is making made choice makes is making choices. He's making acting choices in those movies, you know. Wow, uh, you know that kind oh, of stuff. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 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 that's my Jeff Goldblum. Um, Which is exactly why you got to see this third movie. They let Goldblum be a little more Goldblum. They go I'll like, oh, we're, we hired Jeff Goldblum. Guess what? It's on Peacock for free, so I'll watch it. Uh, Alex, so, get it. So we've got so far. We've got. The Godzilla verse. We've got the Jurassic World. Alex, what's your next turkey franchise? I'm ready for Harry Potter to go away. Ooh, uh, and boom, and, love this and, take. And really, only well, two reasons. A, like it's it always feels so like thirsty when they try to get the same thing going with a non proof it's it, when they when they went from lord of the rings to the hobbit it felt really thirsty and going from the harry potter movies to fantastic beasts although we i think we both enjoy those films i will have i will have feels a little thirsty i will have some takes on that but yes continue but i'm really it just mostly is like uh let's not put any more money in the pockets of a, a virulent turf who can't help but speak violence about uh members of the trans community and uh i love that so I, i'm just i'm i'm ready for that to uh I, you know here's, to, to not be a money-making source for the richest woman in the world or whatever yeah so obviously we want to shout out um uh sunday this is recording this on tuesday two days ago was of course trans day of remembrance and um obviously want to give um um uh, thoughts and actual like thoughts and love to the people who were hurt in Colorado Springs over the weekend. Um, Actually, can I say on that point, uh, you you know, the uh, one of the heroes who disabled the gunman in Colorado Springs. Drag queen. uh, Well, actually, the other the the army officer who was involved too his family owns a brewery Mm -hmm. and so i we bought a couple t-shirts from the brewery to help them uh love it that's see that's 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 direct help there love it um but in in saying that yes there there 
there is talk around the Warner Brothers. A lot of these are Warner Brothers properties. <laughs> there's, Whoopsie. There is talk around the Warner water cooler about that they are desperate for JK to make another sort of Harry Potter film. And, you know, there is the play, there is the cursed child, which is not written by JK. And I'm kind of of your mindset. It's, it's, it's very hard for me to say that because um, of, I really enjoy the Harry Potter movies. I'm bringing my daughter through them as well. We've, we've read all the books except the last one. And every time we finish one, we talk about like, why JK Rowling is extremely problematic and why trans people are people and trans lives matter and why uh, the fact that the, her words are damaging and stuff like that. That being said, I am like a, one of the few people who like genuinely enjoys the fantastic beast trilogy or fantastic beast films, which I'm pretty sure they're not going to make anymore, but I like genuinely like love those films. <laughs> I appreciated aspects of them. I think I was I was a little just turned off by, again, how like grabby and thirsty oh, yeah, their I'm, presence I'm is. But aware. I thought that they were great. Yeah, I'm fully aware that we're like we took this little book that was just a description of beasts and we've now made it into this. But there's something about the like 1920s and I love the characters and I I just I really really enjoy those movies. It pains me to say that because J.K. Rowling wrote all the screenplays. But yeah, I do. I agree with you pretty wholeheartedly that I think it's just something that it just, we just, she doesn't, there are certain people who don't need to, we keep giving platforms to, and then they keep using those platforms to like complain about things that they've been given every opportunity to. And they're like, and they, they then further their platform to talk about why they're being quieted, but it's like, you're not being quieted. You're being allowed to say whatever you want, whenever you want. There are yeah. There's there a are difference trans between people literally being killed in the streets. So it's like there's a difference between censorship and somebody telling you, "Hey, that thing you said makes you seem like a fucking asshole." Pardon my French. <laughs> we're, we're, and we're people, small-minded people, do not understand the difference. Yeah. And so as much as I, but I also do think just to, just to bring it back to like storytelling wise in terms of like um, Warner wanting to make more Harry Potter movies, that story is over. There is like, there is no story. Like what they did with Fantastic Beasts was, which is what a lot of things do is let's go to prequels. Let's go. We can't, this story is done. We can only go to before we can't, you know what I mean? So to do any Lord of the Rings of the Hobbit. Yeah, or like so. Then Rings of Rings Power, of Power, which takes place thousands of years, or House of the Dragon takes place a hundred years, and and both those shows work really well because there is drama that can be found in places where we don't know. We already know how this is ultimately going, but there are steps along the way that we can tell stories in, and I feel like this works with Andor. This we have there are excellent prequel stuff out there. There's no reason to make another Harry Potter movie because you would have to you would have to create a bunch of stuff that we were basically told doesn't exist. I mean, it would very, it would have to be kind of like, which is inherently, even though I really enjoy the sequel trilogy, the inherent kind of issue with the sequel trilogy that isn't ever really addressed is that, you know, Luke was supposed to bring balance to the force, which he then does at return of the Jedi, but then 
He doesn't, but I but they've they've done it. Dave Filoni's done a good job of like with those two Book of Boba Fett episodes of explaining why he didn't, because he got too regimented in the force, which whatever. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. That's a that's a thing that's working. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, they're ul- not a turkey. There ultimately isn't something. There isn't like I just don't think there's a story to tell. I think you have to make up a bunch of stuff or like re- or redo stuff you've already done to do another Harry Potter. I just don't. I, I, yeah, I, I have, I, I have a lot, and I, and again, Lord of the Rings and Hobbit, uh, if movies are not equivalent because you do have the Hobbit, although not enough material for three four-hour movies in that book, no, per se. Wow, yeah, but big reach. The that you that you approach a creator and go, we need another Harry Potter, get on it, uh, is is never, you know, I just don't, I just don't, I have this, I have a disdain for that kind of yeah, well, it's like It's like the fourth Matrix movie. It's like they're, this. they basically, another franchise that didn't work, they they basically told uh, the Wachowskis, we're going to make a fourth Matrix movie whether you want to or not. And so that was enough to make Lana be like, okay, I guess if you're going to do this without me, I, I should be involved, which is like ridiculous. You can't hold filmmakers hostage. Anyway, speaking of holding filmmakers and audiences hostage, my next franchise is up and here's my turkey. And I'm very happy to talk about how much I think this is a turkey and I'm willing to fight anyone. This is the Transformers films. These Yeah, Transformers sucks. This is like, I, I'm telling you right now, they've made five of these. No, one, one, two, three, four, five, plus a Bumblebee kind of sideways film. But there's another one coming Transformers Rise of the Beasts, which is supposed to be about the like um, the Beast Wars. Beast Wars, yes. Now see that okay. Which one of them is that gonna was be, a... is going to be voiced by Pete Davidson. Oh, of course, uh, because we we along with all of our top supermodels, we want him inside everything else too. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. I, I please go ahead. I didn't mean to stomp on this, but this is where we are very tightly in agreement. Yeah, I just like to me the thing about these Transformers movies is I watched the first one, and it's really like to me it's kind of like the Michael Bay of it all, and yeah, the fact that I watched Michael Bay is so obsessed as a filmmaker with kind of like faux drama, like he tries to do like you know when you watch like a lot of his films, like it works in The Rock, which I think is an excellent film. But if you watch a lot of movies like um, Roland Emmerich movies, like all those disaster movies, um, Independence Day 2012, um, uh, Day After Tomorrow, some of those work, some of those don't. But the thing that he always does in those movies and a lot of disaster movies is like implants a lot of like human story. And Michael Bay trying to force wedge that into Transformers just doesn't, and it never works. And it just like all of the movies end up being this kind of like jumbled mess of just stuff. And there's nothing like if I were to show you a sequence from a Transformers movie, you would not be able to tell me which one it was from. There's nothing except though. No, that's the one Mark Wahlberg's in. Like that's it. Yeah. You would just say, Oh, there's Mark Wahlberg. So that's the Mark Wahlberg one. I know that. Yeah. Which is a, which is Transformers uh, spear of the fallen. No, it's that, uh, it very close. You could probably just pitch that. <laughs> And be like, I got it. It's called Spear of the. It's called the Last Night. And I, the only thing I love about that is, in the, is watching the trailer 
and he's like, I'm gonna, I'm my stutter is gonna come out when I try to do this. But when he goes like, Hey guys, I think it's a transformer. Like he says that in the <laughs> thing, and it's like in the most like Wahlbergy way. And that's the only thing that like I take away. But like the other movies, like Age of Extinction, D- Dark of the Moon was just a what is happening? And it's like people just go see these movies and. What and it's, it's that case that I keep talking about. They they keep making money, and so they just keep making them. But they're never really like, it's like this thing didn't really work, but it made a bunch of money, and so now we're just going to keep making this thing that doesn't really work. I think frustratingly for me too is that at no point uh, did they truly ever buy into how silly things were they seemed yes, thank, yes. they would seem they would get close to seeming like they had a sense of humor about themselves or how light but and then immediately pivot away and then there was the oh which was the movie with the two terribly offensive uh black stereotype I think that's characters the second in it. one dark of the moon yeah i i jazz. i saw His name I, is jazz too yeah i i i was i saw that uh in a movie theater and i was i was sitting next to to a uh, black gentleman and I, I wanted to apologize to them and leave. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I wanted to look at them and go, I'm so very sorry. And, uh, and I'll, and I'll see, I'll be, I'll be, I'm sorry. I mean, and just back out of the aisle. It was so, it was so cringy. And I'm like, anybody living in this time that looks at that and says, yeah, you, <laughs> it's so you're, you're right. Bunk. You're right. Because there's a real, the way that it's all handled Throughout the movie, and like Kelsey Grammer is in one of these movies, which I'm just like, come on, man. But like, anyway, as Frazier, that's yeah, a weird thing. Like he's he's like taking calls on the radio, and um... <laughs> Ra, Ra's and Optimus Prime date in the fourth movie, and still driving because like Kelsey Grammer is still in love with Roz. Anyway, um, the thing that you're right, the thing that is the way that having Michael Bay make five of these movies, unbelievable, is. There's no, and we've talked about this before on this show, and we've talked about which we're going to be talking about again is the DC universe, is that there's the thing that Marvel does so well, and that even Star Wars does really well, is there's just no, like, but I think it's more applicable to the, MC, uh, applicable to the MCU, is there's no, like, it's not fun. There's no, they're, they're handling this thing that's ridiculous. These are, this was a kid's toy, you know what I mean? Like this was a kid yeah. toy. These I played with these when I was eight years old. I wouldn't eight year old me who would watch the Transformers and we would be like, "What is this? I don't like this. I don't like the, it's so serious and handled with such yeah. ridiculousness and explosions they, that it's like, what are we? Doing? They feel compelled to inject adult level stakes. Which doesn't work with giant robots. Yes, it's like we're, or whatever else you're trying to do. These were these were kids' toys with giant robots that turned into trucks, and one literally turns into a gun. That was a point where we were let, let's just let's just dial down on that for like a little bit. When we were children, when we were children. One of our one of the most popular toys was a robot that turned into a gun. And completely shifted size because, you know, Megatron would be like 30 feet tall like the I rest know, of them. And, t- and then transform into a pistol that could be held by one of them. I love this like, logic. I love the logic. But then Megatron. Get out of here, Megatron. Me- get out of here, Transformers. Get out of here, Transformers. All right. So you got you. I've got one more. You've got one more. You're up, Alex. Who's your final turkey? 
I think I think the final thing that needs to be pulled out of the oven, sniffed, and have a wrinkled nose, and you throw it in the garbage. Uh, I think the DCEU has got to go. I love it. I, yes. I, I I was so you know before before the rumors started to come out about Henry Cavill, I was I was thinking, oh, you Black Adam, you know, we've got the JSA in there. There's there are points where this can be maybe in its own reality, and it and it doesn't have to push for that interconnection, certainly not an interconnection to things that to me don't work. And that maybe this, and maybe, and, and again, these are from months ago, thinking about Black Adam, thinking about, and then Flash, Flashpoint, uh, before all of the the terrible things happened. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. See, oh, cool. We got these chances to have some reset, to, to not keep pushing into what doesn't work. And also... You know, there's the fun thing for me is that in some of these cases, they have the potential to do a real comic booky thing, which is shift realities. And it's not it's not, hey, uh, we we guys in suits have decided this venture isn't profitable. So we've ended it and are rebooting completely. It's hey, new creative team, new costume, uh, new. uh, Oh, we got shifted into a different universe or whatever. And it just seems to me that the idea now is to keep trying to just pull the things that they think worked forward and abandon the things they think didn't work. And it, it, I think it's time to just realize that you had your successes with it and, and to really try to do some hard resetting in that kind of multiversal fashion, I think, but like, yeah, I'm, I'm baffled. I think I actually, my, my one, I don't know if we've got your audio. Can you hear me? Ooh. Okay. I mean, I have waveform all the way through. Then we're fine. Then I mean, it should be fine. And this is all staying in the podcast. I just, my final thing is like, I think that maybe they're keeping it going and bringing back Henry Cavill and stuff because they're, they're, they're trying to appease this uh, violent corner of the DC fandom. They're like, these people are dangerous. Yeah. They threatened Walter Hamada's life. Uh, let's just give him more Henry Cavill and we can all sleep at night. Well, that's the thing that I think, I mean, God, there's so many missteps along the way, but I think I would, one of the greatest ones I think is giving in and letting Zack Snyder make another version, like making the Snyder cut basically told fandom that like, oh yeah, if you scream loud enough, we'll give you something. But I think it was like a total mistake. Like, and then we get this and, and, four hour nonsense movie. Like we, what did we do? Like, they never, they, they never, you know, oh, sorry. My ride's here. Hey, oh, uh, they, <laughs> Like streets there of, was a the lot streets of streets of New York or outside. Here we are. Oh, it's gritty. It's grimy. It's, uh, this, uh, what's his name from SVU just ran by. Chris, uh, um, Chris Maloney whatever. Yes. And I'm just staring at his posterior. What a man. What a man. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah, the, the, there was a lot of talk and I will admit that the Zack Snyder cut justice league watching it through it. I'm not going to say it's good, but it works better than the original cut and people you know the fandom started to chew on oh yeah it's so much better people like blah 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 i'm like yeah they had anything where you knew what didn't work before and you could redo it it had better be better i mean seriously and like the that that's like a misstep but like i think the the overarching thing is that they they saw what was happening with marvel and just said well we got to do that as opposed to just being like We've got the we've got the characters like I mean, I don't think and we've said this before on the podcast with during our Black Adam podcast was that like if you look at just like 
DC has the like three biggest characters, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. Like you can't, those are like iconic characters. You and Mar, as much as Marvel can make billion dollar films with Iron Man or, you know, Ant-Man, smaller Marvel characters, DC just decided, well, so it's like they have this like, you have huge characters and so you choose to like kind of lower, I don't want to say lower them, but like it's just, they should have just stick with what works for them, which is we make one character's movies like with the Batman, which they've done, which is a great movie, made a bunch of money. Just stick with that. I would just be like, we're scrapping everything else, whatever, Aquaman's going to come out and Flash is going to come out and then we're just going to stick with what is like working but obviously they're not because henry cavill is now back and that we i was it, go ahead being being in new york city it really reminded me that there is an interconnectivity that marvel has baked into its genetics that dc doesn't have simply from like the origin standpoint like spider-man the fantastic four the avengers uh captain america these are all people who are from and based in New York City. Yeah, that, well, that's we've talked about that before too. Like you know, and and Superman's in Metropolis, Batman's in Gotham, uh, Wonder Woman's in Themyscira. The Flash is in uh, Central City. Central City, uh, it, and uh, you know, and 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 uh, Green Lantern's in Coast City, and crucially, all of these places are like made Shazam's up. Shazam's in places. Philly. Shazam's in Philly. Fawcett City. No, in uh, in the re in the uh, the one that there's the comic run that's based that the uh, the Shazam movie is based on, he is in Philly. I just read oh. it. I just read it. I just read it. I forgot about that. Yeah. The original the original Shazam is in Fawcett City. Fa- from, uh, Fawcett so, City, you know. F a w c e t t. I think it was the name of the publication, the the publishing company. I can't. I think it was Fawcett Comics or the. I I can't remember, but Either that way, was his original. Um, but but yeah, I I I don't know. I think. I think that I I hope that the new creative regime there is going to given is going to be given a little bit, bit of free reign that maybe if they determine yeah we should lay off the connectivity that they're allowed to do that but I don't I don't, I don't know that so. they're going to James be James Gunn's already said he has a plan. I mean I do think there's a way where they can do this but they just have to be patient and which is something that DC the DC films and Warner Brothers has not shown any sort of um, willingness to do, which I think Marvel has been willing to do. Like Kevin Feige is just like, I got a six phase plan, guys, and we just finished phase four. So now, I've hey, got two more. Speaking phases. of speaking of four, how long has it been since they got Fantastic Four and the X Men? And like, yeah, it's been a think, while. And they do waited. you think if DCU got the rights oh back God. to Superman, they're in production on that movie in ninety seconds? Yeah, like yeah. DC, like if if DC people were like Marvel, swap it and they get the X-Men back. They have a full X-Men movie up and running that they already had like a script that they like had an AI write. And they, it's like, <laughs> go yeah, but Marvel's like, oh, no, no, we got these. And we know, see that to me is like, I mean, we're running long, but this is gonna be a long one. Basic storytelling is, especially when it comes to film and television, is that when there is something that you know the audience wants, you hold that from them as long as possible because that is what generates suspense. That's what generates uh, interest. You know what I mean? So like we know that Marvel has the Fantastic Four and they have the X-Men. We've gotten little pieces. Oh, look, Reed Richards and, and Professor X are in 
um, Multiverse of Madness. And uh, Namor is a, they called Namor a mutant in, and they called uh, the uh, Ms. Marvel has a mutant gene, but they're like, they're just teasing that out nice and slow. So then when we get it, it will be that the more, all the more gratifying. And we know we're getting Hugh Jackman in Deadpool, but like, you're right. Like DC is just like, Hey, we got it back. We got to, let's go. We got to get this going right yeah. away. And it's uh, it, I, I think that it's a, um, I think it's a strength of Disney overall that it's generally speaking, their product isn't always the quote unquote best the finest, the, you know, the most artistic, although it contains great art, it, really what they're the masters of is combination, Com- combining storytelling with, for instance, high, the highest technology or, yeah. or capitalizing really on the potentials for storytelling on the streaming market. They're really, they're really considered and patient. And it isn't just about moving units, although they do move a lot of units and it's, Move a unit, something baby. to be looked at their approach you gotta move units baby talking about who else is moving units my last one my last one is one that supposedly just ended or one facet of it just ended but apparently that it was that is you cut off one end of the zombie attack another one comes coming at you my final one is the walking dead this is a yes. a, a television show that based on a comic that is just wrapped up it just ended its run. It was on the air for 11 years. It did 11 seasons. The final season had, it, they split it up in half, but it's still 24 episodes. Whoa. Yes. I'm, I'm reading this all right now. Um, I think most of us watched like the first three or four seasons of this show and then just found it harder and harder to keep watching it. And then we're surprised to hear that like, oh, this show is still on the air. Yeah. Not only is it still on the air, we still have Fear of the Walking Dead is still on the air, which just finished its finished its seventh season. We also have um we had two seasons of The Walking Dead World Beyond That's Done. We have Tales of the Walking Dead, which is like an anthology series which just came out. There's going to be a Rick and Michonne spin-off series that's been announced. And there's a gonna be a Daryl spin-off series that's been announced, and there's gonna be like a um Negan and I'm going to get the character's name in a second. Don't worry. I'm getting there. Negan and Sarah. Sarah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> thank you. Uh, spinoff show as well. Uh, there... No, I didn't. That's I was making a play on Tegan and Sarah. I don't know that that's the other character's name. I actually think it is. <laughs> that it's would be not, incredible. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's, um, it's Maggie. Sorry. Maggie. And Negan, which, so like the last time I watched it was when Negan first showed up on the show because Negan is like a comics canon. I was not a fan. I'd never read the comics, but there's always people like, oh, Negan's going to be in it. You got to watch it. And because Negan's like this, you know, and then I learned last night that Negan, who was like, when he was introduced, he was this like person who just like fully took down their whole, the whole um, existence and like, oh, someone's going to die. He's going to murder someone. And that's when he murders, um, Jeez, really killing it right now. Um, Steve Ewan's character, Glenn, yes, Glenn, right? His name, yeah, Steve Ewan's character murdered him. I didn't, I didn't watch The Walking Dead. I know. I well, remember. it's yeah, exactly. <laughs> but and then it, I, that's kind of where I fell off. But then I've learned from from right now reading that like, oh, Negan is now reformed and is now like with 
Maggie maybe and it's like didn't he kill your husband I mean it's just like the the show went on for so long longer than the comics even have available and it still seems to be going and I just I just don't understand like how much we stories we can tell in this space but I guess we are I don't I just whatever that's that's my that's my piece on the walk yeah, yeah, it's I, a show I, that went on that like nobody knows was even still on but it was I I was a I never I've never watched a single frame of the series just for I, I tend not to watch scary stuff because uh, I'm a big baby. You are the biggest. But of I did read. What's that? The biggest of babies. I'm enormous. Uh, I did read quite a bit of the comic book. I I read several of the trade paperbacks of it, and I think I fell off where they got to this place that seemed objectively like it was going to be okay and that they'd solved some of the problems and that there was nothing, nothing weird. That's kind and of where like the, the last... show was too. Yeah. Well, the, 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 the trade ended with Rick looking at the viewer and going like, that's why we have to destroy it. And I was like, okay, I, yeah, right, the, I don't know that I can do That's kind of the reason why again. I left the show too. And I think where a lot of people like, cause this show, this show was the, one of the biggest shows on television. Like it was the most yeah. watched show. It was still one of those shows that you could get numbers on the day it was released. And I think for me, it just got to this point where it was like, well, what are we building to? Because we were getting to this point where it was like, oh, we found this place where we can settle and everything's great. And then now it's not. And then we get to this place where everything is getting in and now it's not. And then this other group shows up and they're going to ruin everything that we've had. And it's like, we can't just, we're just running in circles. We can't just do that over and over again. And we also like, I don't know if this is, if this is, and if, if I'm wrong in this, by all means, tell me on social media or in person but just wear a mask if I see you in person, because I don't know where you've been. Anyway, um, if you like, how how is this existing? Like, where where are we going? Like, where if these other shows have built out like the rest of the world? Apparently, this Daryl show. Apparently, Daryl has woken up in France somehow, and that's what's going on there. And the Negan show is going to be in New York City, which is kind of interesting to me, just because like, well, what else is going on? But it just. I remember Fear of the Walking Dead came out and I watched the first season and I was like, I was like, oh, it's in a different city and we're starting at kind of the beginning and we're going to learn this stuff. And like, we learned nothing. Like, well, the zombies are bad and the apocalypse makes people jerks and that's the show. Just, yeah, different jerks. Yeah. And so this is, that's the next series. It's going to be Walking Dead, different jerks. Walking Dead, different jerks. And so that's it. Those are, I don't feel like we need to do Star Trek or Star Wars because we'd have to, it's a lot of properties we have to go through, unless you feel like, feel like really compelled to do it. This episode, in and of itself, I think is more of a Star Trek than a Star Wars. I would say our, yes, yes. I would say our episode currently is more. It's more thinky. It's more. You know, we didn't do as many like bits and stuff. Uh, you know, and there wasn't there wasn't an effeminate robot. Um, so, like, I think this is way more. Uh, Star yeah, Trek. Than I do Star think this Wars. episode is definitely more Star Trek. Um, hey, not to extend. Go please. But we we have agreed that this is a space mostly of enthusiasm. Absolutely. That we like to lead with enthusiasm about these things. Sure. Uh, but we've spent the last hour talking about stuff we don't like this or want to go away. True. Give me give me something in the space. Just a quick hit. What do you what do you like? What do you what do you what do you hope keeps going? What do oh. you? Well, I mean, I think it goes without saying that I'm a big fan of Andor. Uh, something we haven't talked about that I really, really enjoyed 
uh, is uh, the Tales from Tales of the Jedi on Star Wars on the Star Wars Tales of the Jedi on Disney Plus. Though that was excellent, and I hope we get more of those. That was really good. Fantastic. I think that it, uh, I agree. I think that's that's something I would like to to shine a light on too, and that a really cool opportunity for them to have these quick hits that build out important stories about you know side characters, or it yeah. just kind of fills out information that we, that we didn't have, and really kind of quick but appealing way i, I really like that good tales thing, of the jedi the one thing that dave filoni does a really great job of is he does these kind of like fills he like kind of fixes a lot of the like problems with the prequels one of my biggest outstanding problems with the prequels is this whole hey you know what see that guy right there who named darth maul who looks cool and can like has a double-sided lightsaber and is amazing and looks really great and menacing. We're going to kill him after the first one. And then here's like 80 year old Christopher Lee for the next two. Yeah. I'm just like, what this guy, like the other guy was way cooler. Yeah. And, but what, what the books, the star Wars, the Delray timeline books and, and the clone wars. And then even more so in this tales of the Jedi is you get a much better sense of, a Dooku's character, which I just think is great. And I think the Tales of the Jedi Dooku episodes are, are excellent. I think they're really good. How about you? Is yeah, there anything, same. anything I, that you like? Or you want to just chime this, in? I, I was just, I was agreeing with you. I was jumping on. I think Tales of the Jedi is a really, I, I, it's something that I hope they keep doing. I hope we get a second volume that focuses on other different aspects. And, and like I said, without having to dive into a whole movie or a whole book yeah. or an entire series, bam, there we got this character. We can see some growth. We can see some, it isn't just, oh, he was a former Jedi and now he's a Sith. It's like, well, there's a whole... Yeah, and it's like, and we're supposed to be like scared of him because everyone else is scared of him. But I'm like, but okay, like every time he fights, it's digital fighting guy. Whereas like you had like one of the best swordsmen playing Darth Maul in the last movie who was like jumping around and like flying around and was like doing it all practically anyway. Yeah, Ray, Ray Park didn't have to hold his wig on as he was like trying, trying to fight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great. Uh, winners and losers. I think the winners is, um, I don't know if we need to do winners and losers, we, but I'll say right now the winners if for sure are all of us for this excellent conversation that we just had. And um, I, I, I agree. And I think that the losers are people who disagree with us and want to correct us. I think that's, that's true. Uh, I think that's very true. And know. of course, obviously all of these franchises would have benefited greatly had they had put in Sam Wilson's boat in there at some point. That would have really yeah. Oh no, no. It, for a it, lot it, of them. Yeah, I think I think that that's uh, you know it's a little bit of that. You, you, it's in, and in some cases it's something that it, it's almost you have to be on purpose trying not to include it. And so you know we've we've talked ad nauseum about Sam Wilson's boat before. Great. So um, we're the day one we're the day one boat stand kings. That's what we are. Absolutely. Get on get on board. Make it make make a t shirt and then send it to us. Um, so uh, before we get to our game, uh, we have another uh, ad read from the cyst. Yeah, the so again, the corporate underwriters for this episode are the Council of Intimidating Subway Teens who coerce you into opening the emergency exit for them and then laugh as the cops beat you up. Uh, they're reminding you that New York isn't for crybabies. It's not. It's not for crybabies. I love that it's not. No. All right, so they really want to uh, really want to remind that it's not for crybabies. Great. So this is. Um, <laughs> I, I I cannot tell you how true that these things are. Uh, it's time for the game. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, uh, I'm sorry. I just had a total brain collapse. We're doing a brand new game this week um, that we definitely have not done on a test podcast before. 
but y'all have never heard it. So here we go. This is in, in honor of the fact that the season finale of what an excellent, excellent season of television Andor has been. This game is called Andor or Andrew. And it's simple. I'm going to read a quote to you, Alex, and you have to tell me whether this was said by Cassie and Andor or by teen, uh, 80s teen heartthrob, Andrew McCarthy. Are you ready? I'm, I was born ready. Here we go. And I'm going to read all of them like Diego Luna. Okay. Uh, yeah, we'll try it. Make 10 men feel like 100. That is Cassie and Andor. That is Cassie and Andor. That is Cassie and Andor. That's from Rogue One. You ready? Here's the next one. Yes. Nobody thinks they're evil or bad. They think they are doing the right thing. I think that's Cassie and Andor as well. That is Andrew McCarthy. Oh. That is Andrew McCarthy. Is that from uh, Weekend at Bernie's too? It is not from Weekend at Bernie's. That is just actually a thing that Andrew McCarthy has said in interviews. Oh, yeah. in several of them? He's, I don't know. He, you, he just brings that if up? If you were to go on uh, your favorite search engine, which we all know is Bing, and if you search for Andrew McCarthy quotes, that is something that comes up. This is wonderful. I, I, I Thanks, Andrew. Ready for this next one? Let's do it. Yeah, I know that. You know that. Nobody else knows that. That's Andrew McCarthy. That is Andrew McCarthy, and that is Andrew McCarthy from Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> ah, yes. And he's, of course, talking about the titular Bernie. Yes. I'm assuming. I've never seen those films. Yeah, so if the Andrew McCarthy read on this is, yeah, I know that. You know that. Nobody else knows that because, of course, they're trying to assume that, that, that Bernie is not dead. Here we go. The next one. We don't have the map. Cassie Nandor. No, that's Andrew McCarthy from... And that's another personal quote? No, that's from, his... that's from Weekend at Bernie's <laughs> 2. Because oh, guess what? He's still dead in the second one, but they found some way that if they play some... Um, they take him to, they get him to like Jamaica, and if they play some song, he will lead you to buried treasure. This is a movie that was made and released in theaters. Adults thought this up, and adults let him do it. Weekend at Bernie's two. Here we go. Here's the next one. Just take the blood. That's Andrew McCarthy. It is Andrew McCarthy, also from Weekend at Bernie's two. Um. You know, maybe I have to watch this one. I'm intrigued now. I'm intrigued. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, de- I'm gonna dive into Weekend at Bernie's. I think so. I think that's the takeaway here. All right, here's we got two more. Here we go. I had every chance to pull a trigger, but did I? What kind of host invites you to his house for the weekend and then dies on you? Well, it feels like Andrew McCarthy. <laughs> is it both of them? It is. It is. The first part is Whoa. Andor from Rogue One. The second part is Andrew McCarthy from Weekend at Bernie's. That's a that's a twofer. That's a Weekend at Bernie's twofer. Oh there. boy. All right. One more. See, I'm ready? glad I'm glad I thought that you might throw me a curveball. I know. Here we go. Do you have any idea how many of those have gotten in? That headline. That's my life. Is that is that Andrew McCarthy? 
That is Andrew McCarthy from a script for Weekend at Bernie's 3 that I found online written by Pete Johnson and Craig <laughs> Douglas Miller. And the concept of the movie is, is that Andrew McCarthy and Jonathan Silverman would play themselves and a studio is pitching them Weekend at Bernie's 3. I mean, I feel like this should, we should do this movie. Yeah, that feels good. That feels actually good. That feels like it's what the movie was actually uh, meant to turn into. It feels like it makes the other two movies like worthy of existing and make sense. I know it's the perfect way to, to bookend it and then close that franchise. And, you know, that way, because we have a lot of unanswered questions from the second one. Uh, before we uh, wrap up and get out of here, we have one more uh, uh, ad read, correct, from our sponsor? Right. And again, it's the uh, the Council of Intimidating Subway Teens, uh, and especially one ginger-haired rapscallion who uh, reminded me, after he blew hot Cheeto dust in my eye, that New York isn't for crybabies. So again, that's a corporate underwriting <laughs> that, the Council of Intimidating a, Subway Teens. But that's a tough look. He literally blew like something hot into your eyes. How could you not cry? That would be, mm-hmm. that would be, that's a real thing. Well, that's what I kept telling him. And then he kept repeating it back to me, but the, you know, so, you know. Those subway teens, man, they're tough. Um, Very intimidating. So, do you have any? I know we just we, for us we only recorded like three, two or three days ago. Do you have any uh, Hoopla recommendations in the three or four days since we last talked? Hoopla, of course, is the uh, t- the uh, app you can have on your phone, your iPad, your computer that allows you to get digital comics from your public library. Um, I would say uh, to just download Hoopla in, 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 in case our entreaties haven't haven't reached you yet. To just download it. You'd be amazed the offerings that are on there for free from your local library. Yeah, I, that's, I think that's a good way to kind of put this. Just down – since we didn't talk about a main – we talked about a lot of stuff. Let's just say download Hoopla because next week when we talk about Andor, we might have some big picks for you, maybe, question mark, to dig into. But it's also a way to be like, hey – What's coming up next in the old MCU verse? Oh, we got Ant Man and Quantum Mania. Should I read up on some Ant Man? Should I read up on some Kang comics? You can do all of that on Hoopla, who is not a who is not a sponsor on this show. But before we get out of here, we've talked a lot about a, a lot of franchises here. What a, I know you're away from your dogs. What, what what did your dogs think of the you know the, your franchises you chose? Um, you know they uh, they uh, they actually wanted me to take you to task. Oh. For for eliminating the Jurassic uh, Park and Jurassic World franchises because uh, you know as dogs that was some of the only opportunities for them to see giant femur bones on screen so they're <laughs> well I, they're really upset that that's going away I like I we're actually dog sitting at the moment which is why I'm in, in my not in my normal spot Culver City I'm in Woodland Hills California so I got my dog here and I got another dog here Lily. Um, they are upset taking you to task as why you got to be hating on Godzilla. You know, they, you know, as you know, furry mammals as they are much as Godzilla is, they, they, and I'm sorry, as a King Kong is, they, they, they really feel like you disrespected, you know, someone that they can relate to a lot more than they can relate to the humans, you know, us. Well, you tell them from me to say it to my face. next. <laughs> Get them uh, guys. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. This will be dropping on Friday. So I hope you, we all, you all had a nice uh, time visiting with family and had a lot of food and all that stuff. And um, Alex, where can the folks find you? Not on Twitter. Uh, search for Duke underscore Midnight, M-I-D-N-I-T-E, Twitch, YouTube, Instagram, other things coming soon. Uh, and uh, and and again, if you have anything to correct me on, uh, just resist that. <laughs> you can find me um, 
Uh, I'm Kenny G Stevenson on Instagram and TikTok. TikTok is where I post um, videos of me doing impressions. I have now, uh, I've kept my Twitter handle like you have. I'm not there much, but I'm trying two of the like alternatives right now. You can find me on Mastodon and um, uh, Hive at Kenny G Stevenson on both of those. I think my Mastodon is a little bit longer, but find me on Hive and ask me what my Mastodon is. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> And then I'm on Insta- I'm on Twitch and TikTok as Kenny G Stevenson. Instagram is Kenny G Donut King. Um, that's it, folks. We'll be back next week to talk about wrapping up the greatest Star Wars piece of content in the last five years. Yes? Question mark? Question mark? That's the that's the YouTube thumbnail. Exactly. That's the YouTube <laughs> thumbnail. Uh, thanks for watching or watching. You can't see us. Thanks for watching us with your ears. Thank me. Thank you for watching me, Kenny, and thank me for watching you. Yeah, you and I, I, I thank you for watching me while I talk. And likewise, too, I'm sure. And I love you, buddy, and happy holiday. And, uh, and to all of you out there, happy holiday. And don't, you know, don't be an asshole. There we go. What a way to go out. There we go. See you, everybody. Or hear you. <laughs> See you, hear you. We get it. Bye.